This journey started long before us, mapped out from the very beginning. Movements built on a legacy of prayer and sacrifice. This is not the easy way. It requires hard things. It will change us. It demands our attention. It is a journey of rescue to be passed on from one generation to the next. And we are here to take up the baton, to embrace our leg of the journey, to go, not just for ourselves, but for the generations to come. Here we go. All right, all right. Well, 915 Service Grace Church, how are we doing this morning, everybody? All right, good, good, good to see you, and uh, welcome to week three uh, in this Here We Go journey uh, that we are jumping in together. And like Sarah Beth just mentioned a moment ago, uh, we said that this, this journey, this series, is actually a little different than what we typically do here on the weekend. We're kind of viewing this as a family conversation. We're really talking specifically to those who are part of the Medina East Campus family. So again, just like Sarah Beth mentioned, I want to say, if you are a guest, thank you so much for being here. We're actually glad that you're here. I want to invite you to eavesdrop into this conversation because I think it might help you make sense of Grace Church and also kind of make sense of where we're going uh, here together. And so we said, um, we said, yeah, this series is a little bit different because it is a family conversation. Uh, and even more than that, we said maybe even a better way to think of it is that in a lot of ways, it's like a family journey, that this series is, is the beginning of a family trip uh, that we are looking to take as a church. And we said this is going to be a trip that's going to require every man, every woman, every child, and every student who is part of Grace Church here at uh, the Medina East Campus. So in other words, what we've been doing in this series is we've been talking about where we believe right now uh, God is leading this church. Where is it that we need to kind of focus and where is it that we need to spend our energy in this next season together as a church? That's what we're kind of talking about and processing through um, together in this series. And I just want to tell you too that um, as the campus pastor here at this campus, kind of representing the leadership team that's here as well, I just want to tell you it's always our desire. You know, over this past year, we've been praying, we've been fasting, we've been trying to seek God's wisdom and direction for this church. And it is always our desire, it's always my desire, it's always our desire as a leadership team to do our very, very best to serve you and to love you and to lead you to the things that we believe are what God wants for you. That's what we always desire and always are trying to go after together. And I just thought I'd say that because uh, a few weeks ago, it was brought to my attention that uh, we actually inadvertently misled you into something that I think is actually not the best. And so I thought, you know what? I'm just gonna own it. I'm just gonna confess it. I'm just gonna tell you what it is. So a couple weeks ago, I actually had someone uh, forward me a screenshot of our Twitter feed uh, at Grace Church. I just wanna show it to you. This is what they sent me. And you probably can't read it and that's fine. But they sent me this and they said, do you notice anything? Okay. And I was like, no, I don't notice anything. And if you read this, we're advertising for the Here We Go series and it says hashtag Here We Go. They said, do you notice anything? I said, I don't notice anything. They said, look closer. So I looked a, a little bit closer. If you zoom in a little bit, you notice this hashtag here we go. And if you zoom in a little further, you'll notice that right next to here we go. Do you guys see what that is? Do you see that? It's the mark of the beast. <laughs> it's right there. So apparently when you type hashtag here we go into Twitter, it auto-completes it with the Steelers emblem. And so I saw that and I thought to myself, we, we got, we've got, we, we don't want to lead people into sin. So we got to take that off there. So if you, go to, if you go to Twitter now, you'll notice that that's gone. But, uh, but I just thought that was funny, and I thought that I'd kind of share that with you and uh, just kind of enjoy it. So it is very clear, uh, though, that God is at work in this church. The enemy is trying to creep in, uh, but, uh, but the spirit is better, so, so that's good. But uh, uh, all kidding aside, we are, we are really excited about where we believe that God is leading us together as a church. We've been kind of talking about that. So week one uh, in this series, if you were with us, you might remember we took the whole week and we talked about the why. And here's what we said. I, we said, hey, look, before we're, we're going on a journey. Uh, to those of us who are part of the Grace Church family, we're going on a journey. And we said, before we talk about where we're going to go and before we talk about how we're going to get there, we said we first want to just make sure that we all understand why we're doing this. And what is the heartbeat that is behind this journey that we're on together? And so we actually opened up the Bibles to, our Bibles together and we looked together at Psalm 78. 
In fact, I want to encourage you, if you've got a Bible, why don't you just open that up again? And I just want to keep going back to this psalm, to Psalm 78, because we said that in a lot of ways, this psalm right here really articulates the heart and the, and the why behind this journey that we're going on together. What we said about this psalm is we said that this psalm, in a lot of ways, is kind of like home base for us in this journey, that it's base camp. So we keep coming back here, and we keep saying, let's just reiterate what Psalm 78 says, because that is the heart that is behind kind of this next chapter and next season uh, that we're going into in this journey. And so here's what it says. I'll just read verse 1 to 7, uh, just again as a way of kind of recalibrating us. Here's what it says. The psalmist writes, my people hear my teaching... Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, of his power and the wonders that he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and he established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that the next generation would know them even to the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children and that they would put their trust in God and they would not forget his deeds, but they would keep his commands. And so he said here in Psalm 78, you actually see a very simple, but we said a very, very profound principle. And you actually see this all throughout the Bible, but you see it in a very articulate way here in Psalm 78. And here's the principle. We said quite simply, it's this. It's that the story of God what Psalm 78 is revealing to us is the story of God is passed down generationally and relationally. So he said that right there is a key principle, and that is the heart behind this journey that we're on. That God has designed his movement, the method behind his movement and his mission is that the story of God, that is the message of God, the mission of God, the movement of God is passed down generationally from one generation to the next, and relationally from one person to the next. That's the way that God has designed this whole thing to work, is in those ways. And so we talked about that, and we said that, man, this is a really, really important principle, because what it tells us is that it is all about life-on-life life transmission. In other words, God's plan is not simply that the, word, that the story of God is written on the, on the pages of a book, but the story of God is intended to be written on the hearts and the lives of men and women and students, and then they're to be transformed by that message and then to turn and intentionally invest that in the next generation and to other people who don't yet have the hope that we have for those of us who follow Christ. And so we said, that's the way God has designed it. It is all about relationships. And here's what I also said. You might remember we said this. We said, man, the church of Jesus Christ is at her best. Those of us who follow Jesus are at our best, not simply when every generation is thinking about themselves, not when we're thinking about our preferences and our needs and our desires, but when all of us are investing and looking back and caring for and intentionally investing in the next generation as well. I said, I think the best church is one where every generation is looking out for the one coming up behind them. I said that, man, we think that every follower of Jesus is at their best when they're not simply thinking about themselves and their own needs, but also are thinking about those who don't yet have the hope uh, that we have in Christ. And so we kind of talked about that. We said, this right here is the heart. This is the why behind everything that we're trying to do. We want to be a church that lives according to this principle and exemplifies that, right? Now, last week, if you were here, we started looking at another very important principle that we got out of Psalm 78. And here's the principle that we started to look at last week. We said influence is a matter of stewardship. And so basically we said this. We said anytime we find ourselves in a position where we have any level of influence, when we have any measure of blessing or we have any me measure of privilege, that we always want to stop and we always want to tell God, thank you. We always say, thank you, God. Thank you for what you've given us. But we also want to turn and say, God, how can we steward that influence? How can we steward that blessing? And how can we steward the privilege that you've given us? So last week, we actually talked about the last seven years here at Grace Church. And we said, here at the Medina East Campus, we, we just turned seven years old. And we said, man, when you look at what God has done over the past seven years at this church, we said, without a doubt, we are part of something special that for whatever reason, God has given us some measure of influence in our community, that for whatever reason, God has given us some measure of influence with the next generation. And we said, so because of that, we wanna say thank you to God, but we also wanna look and say, God, how can we best steward that? What do you want us to do with the influence that you've given us? And so um, because of that, last week I started to talk to you about the where. 
I said, where is it? So we talked about the why. And we said, so where is it that we believe that God wants us to go? In this next season of the journey, how are we to steward the influence that God has given us as a church? And what I said is that after a year of fasting and praying and seeking wisdom and seeking leadership and talking with our leadership teams, we said that, uh, that basically we have come to a place where I am fully confident that there are four key areas, four key, four big things that, that we need to focus on and double down on in this next season as a church. And what are the four big things? Well, we started talking about them last week, but here they are. We said, here's the four big things. Where we're going is campusing, a key investment in children and students, leadership development, and outreach. So these are the four big things that we feel like right now God has strategically positioned us to leverage our influence to go after. It's campusing, children and students, leadership development, and outreach. Now, last week, if you were here, you might remember, we spent the whole week talking about the first two. And we talked about campusing. And here's what I said. I said, I am convinced that right now, the Medina East Campus is the time for us to set very clear and active goals in this campus launching another campus of Grace Church in a neighboring community around us. So I believe it's time for us to go after setting some very clear and active goals in that. And so last week what we did is we talked about why, why, why do we think now, and, uh, and why do we think that that's a big priority that we need to be focusing on. And we also talked about children and students last week, and you might remember what we said there, as I said, I am convinced that right now we have a unique opportunity in front of us to make a significant impact and investment in the next generation in an unprecedented way. I told you about some of the uniqueness of, of, of the way our campus is laid out, how many kids, how many students, how many young, young adults are getting connected here? And we said that, man, we feel like if we do not invest wisely right now, we might, have, we, might, we might miss an opportunity that God has put right in front of us. We talked about that. And I just want to encourage you, if you missed that or if you want to hear more about the heart behind those things, go back and listen to last week. I think that will be helpful for you. But today, what I want to do is I want to spend the rest of our time talking about these other two, the last two. Talk about leadership development. I want to talk about outreach. Okay, so why do we believe that right now we need to make a, a concerted effort in these areas? All right, so let me just start first. Let's talk about leadership development for just, for just a moment. So here's what I'd say here. On leadership development, we believe, I believe, that the greatest need during this phase, this next phase of this journey as a church, is going to be for more equipped workers and more equipped leaders on every level. So, so here's what I mean. When we think about uh, going after campusing, and when we think about making a significant investment in the next generation, I believe our greatest need if we pursue those things is not, is not going to be for more people to attend church. It's not more church attendance. Now, hear, don't, I want you to hear me right. Uh, we always want more people to get connected to our church. We always want to see more people hear the gospel and get transformed. But we love that. We want that. But I would tell you that that's not our number one need in this next season. Our number one need in this next season is not simply for more money. Of course, there's always a financial component to pursuing some of these things, but look, we've always trusted God for that, and he has always provided for us in amazing ways. Our greatest need in this next season is gonna be for more of our people to rise up and become workers and leaders within what God is doing here at Grace. That is our number one need that we're gonna have. So I want you to think about this with me for a minute. If and when we campus, if and when we campus, what does that mean? Here's what it means. It means that we need to essentially multiply all of our efforts. Uh, we will need pastors to stay here and we will need pastors and staff to go to launch another campus. We will need life group leaders who will stay here and continually, we need life group leaders who will go. We will need life groups who will go. We will need power kids, leaders and servants who will stay here. And we need power kids, leaders and servants who will go on every level we're going to need to multiply our efforts if we're going to campus. And so because of that, one of our greatest needs is going to be leadership development. And I will tell you, this is one of those areas here where we actually have the benefit of learning from other campuses who have come before us. So if you're newer to Grace, which you might not know, is that Grace Church is a multi-campus church. What that means is that we're one church that exists in eight different campuses currently. And one of the benefits of being a multi-campus church is that we can actually learn from campuses who have gone before us. So we are not the first campus to launch a campus. There's been other campuses who have done that. And every time a campus of Grace Church launches a new campus, we learn something. We learn something new and we can glean more wisdom and we can make better decisions. And so let me tell you one data point 
that we discovered every time we've campus that actually is, I think is really fascinating and it's a little bit unexpected. So I'll just use, let me just talk about this camp, the Medina East campus when it first launched as an example, okay? So back in uh, 2012, December 2012, is when the Medina East campus of Grace uh, became the Medina East campus. So we, st- we just turned seven years old. And when this campus began, it actually began with kind of a diverse group of people. So there was uh, some folks who were part of Shepherd's Grace Church. So Shepherd's Grace was actually a church that was meeting here at this location before it became the Medina East Church, uh, Medina East Campus of Grace Church. And so there's some folks from Shepherd's Grace. There was some folks who came over from the Bath Campus of Grace Church to help start uh, kind of this new campus together. Now, here's what was, was so interesting. One of, the, one of the data points that we found really fascinating is in December 2012, the average attendance at Bath Campus, just approximately, was about 2,300, somewhere in there. About 2,300 folks were coming to the Bath Campus at that time. And those who were sent from Bath to kind of help start here at Medina was approximately about 160, about 160. Now, here's what's fascinating if you think about this for a minute. If you do the math, you'll see that approximately, this, you know, this is less than 10%. Less than 10% of the folks from Bath came over to help start uh, the campus here at Medina. In fact, it's about 7% is what it is. So he- here's what I want you to see. From a weekend attendance standpoint, the Bath campus hardly even felt the Medina East campus go. They hardly even felt that. But the Bath leadership team would tell you, and this is what was surprising, the Bath leadership team would tell you that what they lost in that 7%, that less than 10%, took them over a year to recover from. Now, you might be thinking, well, what does that mean? Well, think about this with me for a minute. What kind of people typically are the ones who are going to leave an established and uprooted church to go and embark on a new, basically, church planting endeavor? What kind of people are going to do that? Well, I'll tell you, usually it's people who are mission-minded. Usually it's people who are pretty bought in to the vision of what God is doing here at Grace. And typically what you're going to find is those people will oftentimes be some of your key leaders. They'll oftentimes be some of your key servants. They'll oftentimes be some of those who are most involved, some of your key givers. And so what Bath found is what they lost in that 7% was they actually lost some of their key leaders. They lost some of their key servants. They lost some of that, and it took them over a year to recover and to raise up uh, more people to fill those slots. Now, what's fascinating is every time that we've campused since then, we have found that that's pretty much the trend. That somewhere, you know, basically on just about every occasion, less than 10% are going to go. And uh, from an attendance standpoint, that's not always felt, but it takes, it takes a long time to recover from those who, ha- who were sent, all right? So how does that help us? Well, it helps us make wise decisions because here's what we can expect, right? If trend, if, 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 if trend analysis continues kind of the same way that we've seen, here's what we can expect. When this campus launches a campus, probably less than 10% of the folks who are part of this campus are gonna go to start that. From an attendance standpoint on the weekend, we're probably not going to feel it so much. But the people who are going to go are probably people who are highly invested here at Grace. Key leaders, key servants, so on and so forth. So how can we prepare for that? Well, I think it helps us to know that we can actually begin now, hopefully raising up leaders and raising up servants to help prepare us for when we launch. This, by the way, is why our, uh, our involvement goal of serve one, attend one is so important. So if you were here last week, you might remember, we said for those who are part of the Medina East Campus family, one of our involvement goals that we're asking you to commit to is we're asking you to commit to pursuing this, this rhythm of serving at one service and attending another one. So currently right now at Grace Church, we have four services at the Medina Campus, two on Saturday and two on Sunday, back-to-back on Saturday and back-to-back on Sunday. And the reason we've designed it that way is actually on purpose, and it's because we want those who are part of our church family to follow this rhythm, right, where you can serve at a service and you can so pick a day, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, and last week I told you, Jesus loves Saturdays just a little bit more. If you, if you come on Saturday, you will have a little more of your sins forgiven 
Um, and that is, that, is, that is not in the Bible at all, at all. That's actually the opposite of the gospel. Uh, but if you, if you come on Saturdays, uh, we, we genuinely said that we're actually trying to help people find Saturdays, a home on Saturday services, uh, because we know that our ability to reach our community is actually more contingent upon having chairs available on Sundays. And so that's something that we're looking towards. But we're saying, yeah, let's get into this rhythm where we can serve one that is shoulder some regular responsibility on the weekend and then also attend one. Now, this will help us because, once again, if we're going to launch a campus, that means that we need to multiply everything. We need power kids workers who are going to stay and power kids workers who are going to go, student ministry workers who are going to stay, who are going to go, greeters who are going to stay, greeters who are going to go, every level multiplication. This will help us prepare for that. In addition to that, let me just say this. If we actually want to reach the next generation and we want to do that in a concentrated and concerted way, Part of what that means for us is it means that we also need more people to get connected into our next generation ministries. So things like Power Kids, things like Student Ministries, things like United, which is our young adult ministry. These are key areas where if we're gonna make an impact in the, generation, in the next generation, we need more people who will jump in and help serve in those areas. And can I just tell you, I know for me, when I looked at this graph last week, we talked about the wave, and this represents all the kids and students, birth to 18, that are connected to our campus. I remember the first time I saw that, I thought to myself, man, that is a lot of kids. And then I remember the next thought went through my mind was I thought, man, God, thank you so much that you would entrust us with the next generation. But then I remember the next thought I had was this, I am so, so thankful for those of you who step up and serve in Power Kids and in Student Ministries and United, I am so grateful for what you do. And, uh, and I don't know, I'm guessing I'm not the only one, but are you guys grateful too for those who help serve? And yeah, we give those guys a hand. And Power Kids and Student Ministries, and you are making a huge impact in a bit. I am so grateful. I have four kids. And you guys, you guys help, help lead them to Jesus. You help with my daughter. My goodness gracious, I pray for you. And if you know her, you know what I'm talking about. But genuinely, uh, from the bottom of my heart, if you serve in those ministries, um, we are all indebted to you. We are so grateful for what you do. There is not a week that goes by that I don't talk to someone. And I ask them how they got connected to grace. And what they say is, we got here, and the reason we keep coming is because our kids love it. I hear that story over and over and over again. You know what I hear a lot? I hear, I'll talk to parents. I'll say, how did you get to Grace? They'll say, our kids dragged us here. I love that. When I grew up, it was the opposite. The parents were dragging their kids to church. I love stories where I hear that the kids are dragging their parents to church, begging them to come. And I believe that a big part of that is because, for those of you who are serving in Power Kids and Student Ministries, I believe it's because of you. God is using you. And we're so grateful for what God is doing uh, in and through that and, and thankful for your investment. But I also would say that those power kids and those student ministry workers would tell you, would tell all of us, they can't do it alone. They can't. And there, there is a great need for people who have a heart to invest in the next generation to jump into those ministries. We need more Aunt Andreas. And uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about when I say Aunt Andrea, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to week one. Uh, you'll hear that story, and you'll also see a very embarrassing senior picture of mine. So you're welcome, and I'm sorry all at the same time. All right, so you can kind of see that. Okay, so that's the heart behind leadership development. It's going to be one of our greatest needs in this next season. Let me talk a little bit about outreach now. All right, so let's talk about outreach. So why, why is this going to be a focal point for us in this, in this journey in this next season? Well, the reason is because we believe that now is the time to double down on our, pre on our presence and our involvement in our community and in our world. We don't just want to be a church that exists for itself. We want to be a church that exists to bless and to serve the community and the world in which we live. So part of the reason that this has become such a high priority for us is um, it's actually a couple years ago. Now, I, I mentioned this a little bit last week, but a couple years ago, we worked with an organization called Reveal. And Reveal is a national kind of church health survey. They help churches discover growth areas and strength areas. And so we did that, that, that reveal, the Reveal survey. The results came back, and they were very, they were very revealing. Um, and so, so we looked at those, and we saw there's a, a bunch of things that were, were doing really well, a bunch of things that were really strong. One of the key growth areas, probably one of the top growth areas that came back, though, was this area right here, was outreach. And I remember, I actually very vividly remember, we were on the phone with the Reveal organization, 
And I remember they were walking us through our assessment. They were telling us, here's what's great about your church. Here's areas that you need to focus on. And I remember when we got to this point, they said something that quite honestly made me cringe. And this is what they said. They said, according to uh, your assessment and the evaluations that we've seen, they said, we would actually label you as an introverted church. That's what they said, introverted. And I was like, ooh. And what they meant was this. I know when we think introverted, sometimes we think personality. What they meant was, as it relates to our involvement in our community and our world and our connectedness to the community in which we're in and the world, they said that you don't really have a very, very strong presence. Uh, you're not very connected. And I, I heard that and I thought, you know, that's true. It's true. And then they asked a question that made me cringe. And it made me cringe in all the right ways because I needed to hear it. Do you guys ever have that happen when someone says something that makes you cringe, but you're like, yeah, you're right. It's kind of like when you go to the doctor and they're like, you know, you need to shed a few pounds. And you're like, yeah, you're right. I hate you, but you're right. And um, it's kind of like that. And this is the question that they, they asked. They said, listen, if your church was to go away tomorrow, just disappear, would your community miss you? And would they notice? And I was like, yeah, I hate that question. I don't like you. And, uh, but I thought, you know what? I think, I think if, this, if this church went away tomorrow, I think that those of us who go to Grace would miss it. I think we'd miss it. I hope so. I would miss it. Um, I think our community knows that we're here. I think they know that we're a growing church. But are we making a significant impact in the community in which we live in? So we looked at that and we said, yeah, you know what? We got to work on that. We got to get better at that. And so it actually caused us to make some changes a couple years ago. We actually uh, changed one of our hires on our team and we put Steve Van Meter full time as a give it away resident. And we basically said, Steve, can you help us establish partnerships locally and globally so that we can start to lead our people in these ways? And so I just tell you, over the past couple of years, Steve has been doing an awesome job, him and his team helping us establish some key partnerships. So I actually wanna take a minute and I just wanna tell you about some of the partnerships that we have. Some of you might not even know about some of the partnerships that exist here at the Medina East Campus. So let me just start internationally. And I'll just talk about our first partnership. The first partnership we have is with a ministry called Sanyuka. And uh, Sanyuka, if you've been around Grace for any length of time, this is probably the most well-known partnership that we have. You've probably heard of Sanyuka. So Sanyuka is, uh, is a, a ministry that works out of Uganda, Africa. Specifically, they work with children who are in needy situations, mainly with orphans. And what they do is amazing. They don't just provide housing for these orphans. They provide education. They provide the feeling of a family. They provide a whole lot of different things. And so we love, we love what they do. Many of you who are part of the Grace Church family are probably already connected in some way or another to Sanyuka, or you have been. Uh, many of you are giving to them uh, by, helping, uh, by helping kind of support uh, some, of the, some, of the, some of the children and the orphans and that, you're doing that. Uh, some of you have went to Uganda, Africa. We've sent teams of people over there. Um, this summer, some of you might remember, uh, they have a choir that they help work with and some of the kids from the choir came over here and they were able to be with us over there. It was a blast having some of them over the course of the summer. Many of you were so gracious to provide meals for them when they were here. Some of you housed them when they were here. You probably saw them around the campus. It was amazing to be able to, to kind of work alongside of them. And so we love this ministry. And I'll tell you, this is one of those ones that this ministry right here, we would look at and we would say, we feel like God has divinely kind of put together this, this partnership with them. When this campus first started uh, back in, in, uh, in, in December 2012, it was only a few months after that, that in walks the door, uh, Alan and Sammy Cazito. And if you guys don't know Alan and Sammy, Alan and Sammy happened to be the founders and the pioneers of this ministry. They had just moved over from Uganda. They were looking for a church. They got connected here. And we're just looking and we're saying, hey man, for whatever reason, God has decided that he wants to build a bridge between this church and Sanyuka in Uganda, Africa. And so we're looking and saying that is an awesome partnership that God has established. Another key partnership for us internationally is Shoulder to Shoulder. Shoulder to Shoulder is a church planning ministry that's out in uh, Mazatlan, Mexico. 
And uh, this is a, a phenomenal ministry as well. They, they do a lot to help support and strengthen churches and a lot with church planting down in Mexico. The key partners down here are called the Reesers. They're named the Reesers, and they are a rock star missionary couple. This is a couple who, get this, they went on vacation down in Mexico, and because they love Jesus, they just wanted to share the gospel with people, and they were, they were so moved by the receptivity of when they were sharing the gospel and the need for vibrant churches that they decided to leave their life in the United States to move down to Mexico, Mazatlan, and start a church planting ministry. So they are amazing people. We have, uh, from our campus, we have sent trips of people down there. Some of you have been part of some of those trips. We have done um, some activities together, like through Five and Change. Some of you might remember to help uh, build homes for people who are in impoverished situations down in Mazatlan, Mexico. And so we would look and we'd say, this is an awesome partnership. Steve and his team have done an awesome job helping us get partnered with them as well. Then our third international partner, the, the, the last one that I wanna mention is maybe one you haven't heard as much about. It's called the Chateau. So the Chateau is actually a hospitality and outreach ministry that's in Eastern France. And they work specifically with youth and immigrants in that area. So the chateau is actually a place. This is actually a picture of the chateau. It's like, kind of like an old castle. And what they do is they, they will have, uh, re they'll do retreats. They'll do youth outreach events here. Uh, they will do English. They'll teach English as second language. And they'll do things like that at the chateau. All uh, as an opportunity pr to present the gospel to people. And I know when I say that we are uh, in Eastern France, that we have some, uh, some missions work that's happening in Eastern France, some of you might be thinking, France, why France? That doesn't seem like a place where missionaries would go. And, and the reason is because, and you might not know this, France is currently one of the most least reached areas in the world with the gospel. And what I mean by that is that it's uncommon for anyone to follow Jesus or even know about the gospel in this place in the world. And so basically, it is a place where the gospel is not easily accessible. And so because of that, they're making a big difference, and we love partnering with them. We've actually sent teams over here as well. Uh, we recently sent over a discovery team that went over and was able to kind of investigate the ministry, start to look at different things. Some amazing things happened through that trip as well. So we get excited about that. We get excited about partnering with these international ministries. We also get excited about the opportunity of raising up and sending people from our church maybe even in vocational ways to some of these places. Some of you might remember just a few weeks ago, uh, there was a young man who was up on the stage. His name was Patrick. Patrick played a part in a couple of these trips, and he felt like God was leading him on, uh, to make a significant difference on the missions field. And so we were able to pray with him, and our desire is to send him so that he can make a difference. We sent him to Mazatlan, and so he's actually there right now, and we love that. We love seeing that happen. So that's internationally. Locally, a few things I'd mention. Cups Cafe is actually one of our key partnerships. Uh, many of you, if you're around Medina, you know Cups. You pass it. It's right off the square. And I tell you, we love, we love what these guys do. We love their heart. We love the way they serve our community and the way they serve families and children and the homeless within the Medina area. Basically, it's a nonprofit free cafe where people can come, they can experience after-school programs. There's all kinds of ways to get connected and to build relationships here. So we love Cups Cafe. We actually serve alongside them in a few different ways. You might remember we have done um, some five-and-change activities to help with some of their basic needs, uh, some of the needs they have with their facility. Uh, we have also uh, partnered our life groups with Cups Cafe to help serve in different ways. We've gathered um, back-to-school supplies to help with some of their programming and things like that. So we love what Cups is doing. Another uh, one of the key organizations we partner with is Love, Inc. I don't know if you guys know of Love, Inc. here in Medina, but man, I'll just tell you, we are so blessed to have something like Love, Inc. in our community. Love, Inc. is awesome, and we love what they do. And basically what Love, Inc. does is they assist residents in Medina County who are in need in a lot of different ways, physical, emotional, spiritual, and financial. And what Love, Inc. does is really unique in that they, they actually network with a bunch of churches in the Medina area, and they also work with government assistance and government aid, and they pair those things to bring maximum help to the people within our community. So, man, we, we love these guys, and we love coming alongside of them. Uh, currently, our, some, many of our life groups do an awesome job of, of serving some of the needs within Love, Inc. We look to them, and, and they kind of help us connect with those things as well. So, Love, Inc., we love what's happening there. Uh, Oasis of Hope. 
is another one of our key partnerships that we just, we love the way Oasis loves families. We love the way that Oasis specifically loves women within our community. They do an amazing job. So Oasis is a ministry that really affirms the sanctity of human life. And one of the key things they do is they offer support and services to meet spiritual, emotional, physical needs of pregnant, parenting, post-abortive, and other individuals and families that are searching for hope. So we love this organization. Many of you, some of you, are already connected and serving an oasis in a lot of different ways. And we just want to continue to, to kind of help strengthen that relationship as well. And then lastly, the last one I'll mention is Safe Families. Uh, Safe Families is another organization that we just, we absolutely thank God for. We think they're doing an awesome job. And basically what Safe Families does is they work with the foster care system here in Medina. And their whole heartbeat is to work with churches and other individuals who want to help. And they really serve as kind of a gap ministry to serve between the foster care system and the church as well. And they want to help keep families safe and intact and help keep uh, children safe by providing temporary housing, coaching, resources, and support. So basically, there's a lot of different ways that we can serve with these guys, but they do an amazing job helping to serve um, those who are in the, in the foster care system uh, within our community. So we love that as well. Now, now, here's why I show you all of that is because for some of you, you might not have known that those were partnerships. But the other reason I show you those things is because over the last couple of years, we've been working to develop and strengthen these partnerships. And I believe that now is the moment, and I believe now is our opportunity to now really begin releasing God's people into these avenues so that we can make a big difference and we can make a significant impact. Now, I'll just tell you next week, I'm going to tell you a little bit about our plan. I'm going to talk to you about how we're planning to, to move forward in some of these things. But here's what I want you to hear me say, is that one of the things that you can expect in this next leg of the journey is you can expect that there's going to be more trips there's going to be more opportunities for you to get on board and to go to some of these places around the world to make a difference. We want to do that. I will tell you there's going to be more opportunities for you to get connected locally into some of these partnerships. And we really want to just beef up and we want to double down on our investment here within our community and in outreach and missions within our world as well. I'll also say this. This is actually why one of our key involvement goals is to get in a life group. So last week we talked about this. We said one of our involvement goals for those who are part of the Medina East Campus family is we want you to get connected to a life group. If you're not in a life group, get in a life group. And I know you might be thinking to yourself, what does getting in a life group have to do with outreach? What does it have to do with serving our community? And here's what I want you to know. Life groups are at our campus, at the Medina East Campus, they are the organizing structure by which we carry out the mission of knowing the gospel, living the gospel, and giving the gospel away. All right, so for us, we would say if you get in a life group, life groups are not just small groups. Uh, life groups are not just Bible studies that meet in people's homes. Our desire is that life groups would be the vehicle by which knowing, living, and giving away the gospel would happen with a group of people. And our hope and prayer is that every single one of our life groups would have some regular involvement in something that is serving our community and something that is serving our world. One of the things that Steve is working on right now is he's helping, uh, our goal is to get every single life group attached to some regular way of serving in some of the ministries like we just saw up on the screen. And so by getting connected to a life group, you're playing a key part in helping serve on an ongoing basis the community and the world in which we live in. So excited about that. In fact, just a couple weeks ago, Steve actually met with the mayor and was talking to the mayor of Medina and said, hey, we want to figure out ways that we can help connect the people of our church to the needs of our community. Can you help? And he said, man, I'm so thankful that you came. We would love to partner with you guys together to figure that out. And I told Steve this. I said, Steve, I want the mayor to think of our church like Batman. That's what I want him to think of us like. I like to think in terms of superhero. But I thought to myself, whenever there's a need, my hope is that the mayor would come out, he'd throw up the Grace Church sign in the sky, you know, the bat symbol, and that we'd always answer the call and that we'd be ready to go, that we're like, you need people, we'll send people. You need resources, we'll send resources. You need, you need energy, you need a life group to go after that, we'll send a life group and we'll keep moving after that together. But it's one of the ways that we serve together. Right, so that's, that's the heart behind outreach for us. Okay, so... There you go. There's the big four. Campusing, children and students, leadership development, and outreach. Those are the big four things. Now, some of you might be thinking, okay, I get it. I know where we're going. That makes sense. But how are we going to do this? Like, what is the plan? And so next week, I want to talk to you about the plan. That's what I want to talk to you about. How are we going to accomplish this, and what is the plan? The week after that is going to be Commitment Weekend. 
And we're gonna make commitments as a church towards moving towards these things together. Here's what I wanna make sure that you get before we talk about, because next week we're talking about the plan. And can I just kind of prepare you for that? Let me just tell you, the plan is not small. It's just, it's not a small plan, all right? I wanna kind of prepare you for that. But as we think about the next couple of weeks, here's the big thing I want us to walk away with this week. All right, here's, here's the kind of the big thing. As we think about the next couple of weeks, here's what I want us to walk away with. And this is this, is that we make the greatest impact together. We make the greatest impact together. That when we think about the things that God has called us to, that when we are able to rally together and unite as a church, that we will make the greatest impact when we're together. I was reading Psalm 78, and I thought this was so interesting in Psalm 78. Remember, this is a psalm that the entire nation of Israel would sing together. They would sing it to each other, and they would sing it with each other. And do you notice what they would sing? They, would, they, they sang this, we will not hide from them from our descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. Now, do you notice what they would sing? What they, were saying, what they sang together was they sang, we, we will not hide. We will tell. In other, words, in other words, what they were saying is, we can't do it alone. And so we, we have to come together to, to actually pursue this thing that God wants us to do. They didn't sing, I won't hide, and I'm gonna tell. But they sang as a nation, as the people of God, they said, no, we, we. And why did they do that? Because they understood that we make the greatest impact together. And I believe that that is crucial for us to understand as we move into this journey together. Maybe you could think about it like this. So, um, so back one month before this campus started, in November of 2012, I remember that there was a, a room, uh, a room full of very diverse people who were getting ready to start this campus. So there's a group of people who are part of Shepherd's Grace, like I talked about. There were some folks from the Bath campus who were there. There's a few people who were part of the Norton campus at the time. And then there was a bunch of other people who I don't even honestly know how they got there. And, and we were in this room, not this room, but another room. And I remember we were getting ready to start the Medina campus. And we all came from diverse backgrounds. We all had different expectations. We all had, there's a lot of different feelings in that room. And I remember we got up and we said, listen, we can make a big impact together. And if we wouldn't unite and if we would come together, we believe that God can use us in a powerful way. And I remember I gave this analogy uh, in that room, and I thought it'd be just fitting to, to, to use the same analogy because I think it's just so, so relevant to the moment we're in right now. And basically what I did is I grabbed a cinder block, uh, much like the one that I have uh, just conveniently back here. I always keep a cinder block back there. And, um, I said, and I said this. I said, okay. I said, the things, the things that God has called his church to, the things that God desires of his church to be, I said, those things that God has called his church to, I said, they are, they are, they are big, they are hard, and I said, they are a heavy lift. They are a heavy lift. You guys, God, Jesus calls his church to be the offensive strategy against the gates of hell. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 16. He said that his answer to the darkness, his answer to the brokenness in the world is actually his church. That's what Jesus said. You guys know that the Bible says that the church, the church has been given the duty to make disciples of all nations. It is a, a big, heavy task that God has called his church to be. You know, the Bible says that God has called his church to be the place where every Christian is equipped for the work of ministry. Every Christian is equipped to do the work that God has called them to do. It's to be a leadership factory where people are raised up to serve Jesus. That is what he's called his church to. That is big, that is heavy, and that is hard. The Bible says that God has called his church, Jesus has designed his church to be the representation of Christ on earth, the body of Christ, the presence of Jesus within the community. That's what the church is called to be. That's what this church is called to be. We are to be the body of Christ in Medina, the presence in the hands and the feet of Jesus is what we're called to be. And I'm just saying, those are big things. Those are heavy things. And here's the truth. Those are things we cannot do by ourselves. We can't. So I remember I stood up in front of everyone at that meeting and I had a box of three pound nails. Okay, so this isn't three pounds, but you get the idea. And here's what I said. I said, here's the thing. This is three pounds of steel. This is three pounds of steel, but it's put in individual form. 
And so you have all these individual nails. And here's what I said. I said, it doesn't even matter how hard I throw this thing. If I just throw one of these nails at any of those things that we're called to do, it's going to make a minimal impact. Some impact, but minimal. I said, even if I took one of these nails, and man, with all of my energy and all my strength that I can muster up within myself, if I threw this thing as hard as I can at that thing, sorry, by the way, if I did that, right, I'm like, it's gonna make a minimal impact. Even if I put all the energy and all the strength that I have in pursuing those things, I am not going to accomplish the things that God has called me to accomplish. I said, man, if you get a handful of people, you get a handful of people who are like, we wanna go after that, and they try to do that together, it's not gonna make, it's gonna make a minimal impact. I said, if you get a group of people, get a group of people, but they're not unified, they're not together, but they're going after this, we said, it's gonna make it not that big of an impact. You listen, you could get, you could get over 1,000 people attending this church on a weekend service, but if we are not unified, we are going to make a minimal impact in the things that God has called us to do. But then I looked at this group of people back then, and I said this, I said, listen, but if you take that same three pounds of steel and you galvanize that stuff, you unify it and you forge it together and you put that in the hands of Jesus, I said, man, you better look out because that is going to make a difference. I've been looking forward to this all morning. (laughs) I said, because then... You can make an impact. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sledgehammer, air guitar solo. That's what I'm talking about, baby. And I'm telling you, man, we can make an impact together. Together. Listen, I'll just tell you guys this, all right? Let me tell you. The four things that we're talking about going after together, you guys, those are big things. Those are big things. They're heavy things. Campusing, reaching the next generation. We're talking about church planting, reaching the next generation, raising up leaders, and making a difference in our kids. Those are big, heavy things. Like, I'll be honest with you guys. I can't, I can't do that. I can't, I can't do that. I am one nail. That's all I am. And I am not the sharpest nail in the box. Okay? I have been told that time and time again. Right? You can't do it. You can't either. You guys, we can. We can. If we are unified by the same spirit and the same Lord who rose us from the dead and we are committed to his purposes, we can. You guys know what Jesus prayed? He prayed for us in John 17. You remember what his prayer was? It's the only recorded prayer we have that Jesus prayed for us. Remember what he prayed? He said this. He said, Father, make them one. Make them one. He said, because if they're one, he said, then the world's going to know. The world will know that I'm real, and he'll know that I was sent by you, and the community will be impacted. And listen, listen, people will be changed. Strongholds will be demolished. This community will be changed. Addictions will be broken. Families will be saved. Lives will be transformed. Churches will be planted. The next generation will know. Our community is going to be impacted and leaders will raise up. And God will be glorified. And so as we look forward, you guys, I'm just telling you, this journey, this plan is not small. And it's gonna take all of us. I just don't know any other way it's going to happen. It's just going to take all of us. But I believe that if we're unified together as a church family, that God can use us in powerful ways. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this church. Thank you that you have come to die for us and you have come to forgive us of our sins and you have come to reconcile us to you. It's the greatest gift that we have. But Jesus, I also just want to say thank you that you didn't just save us and forgive us, but you also called us. You called us into a mission and you called us into a purpose. And I'm so thankful for that because there's, so, there's such great joy in getting, in getting to work with you, to work alongside of you. So God, my biggest prayer is that you would unify us. Would you make us one? 
Would you unify us together by the power of your Holy Spirit? Unify us not, not to our plans. We don't want to do our plans. We want to do your plan. And so help us, Jesus, to seek you, to know you, to, to know what you want and to follow you. God, as we think about this next chapter and this next season as a church, Lord, we're just crying out. We recognize that we, we need you to do the things that only you can do. And so, Father, we want to ask that you would do that. Would you, would you make us one? Would you make us one? Would you make us one in love? Would you make us one in unity? Would you make us one in your spirit? Would you make us one in mission? Would you make us one in purpose? Would you make us one in passion? So we could pursue these things together. And thank you, God, for the way that you work. And I pray that even as we have an opportunity to sing here in a moment, that we just praise you for the work that you've done in us and that you desire to do through us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Uh, struggling heavily with uh, drinking and drug abuse. It, it was really like just like a broken time for me. I had no sense of hope, and I, at some point, had just kind of realized like I need something more and had lost jobs and friends. Um, I was extremely lonely during that time. I didn't have a whole lot of people around me. I didn't have a whole lot of support. I knew that if I was going down the path that I was going down much longer, that it was definitely going to kill me as I had some health issues and things that my doctors and things were telling me, like, you, you can't survive this way, and it's, and it's going to be quick if you don't change something. My dad came home from work on his lunch break and found me drinking at about 11.30 a.m., and he uh, basically told me I either have to quit drinking altogether, I'd have to move out, or I'd have to go to rehab. I just kind of knew. We, we argued for a little while. He left. I uh, went in my room and uh, I, I drank probably two 24-ounce cans of whatever cheap alcohol I could find. I sent my dad a text and said, "I'm ready. I'm ready to go." At that time, I uh. I laid down and kind of passed out on my bed and woke up, and my whole family was there to take me, take me to rehab, where I spent the next month. Um, I, uh, after that, moved down to Southern Ohio for about five more months, and as soon as I came back, I, uh, I jumped right back in here at the church. I knew that there was a, uh, a feeling and a desire to be here that I had not experienced before. And it was just a whole, a, a new experience for me that I was excited to get started with. To me, Jesus is hope. He's my faith throughout my life. Um, he, uh, he gives me a reason to keep going. Um, I think I had lost hope a long time ago in many other things that I tried to place hope in. and. It's different when you when you place your faith and your hope in Jesus, you you get the only real results. It's it's big. It's literally everything. I've spoken recently with people about kind of learning how to how to teach, how to kind of pass this on to people. Uh, that's not something I've ever been used to. So I mean, I'm excited in that way. And however it is, I don't know how what that looks like. I don't know what God's plan is for me specifically. Um, I think I've got a uh, skills set and some gifts that will help kind of steer me in the right direction. But uh, just getting involved with, especially like the um, young adults life groups here and with music, um, those are kind of the two main outlets for me that I, I just want to use the best that I can to kind of share my faith and give give people hope, the hope that I received whenever I came here. My name is Josh, and here we go.